0: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. at t
2: Well, that's right. You heard the man that time of week. My name is Bernie Frato. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What a show we've got tonight. What a week if you followed my Twitter feed. Uh, But tonight we have got uh, college football. We've got the NFL. We've got Major League Baseball playoffs. Bernie's trivia game, round 10. Resumes at midnight. Shay, at the controls. We'll open up the phone lines at 11:45. And don't worry, I'm going to wait till the end of the show. I will address the Urban Meyer situation and what I reported Tuesday. Give a shout out to my good friend, a guy I respect a hell of a lot, Mike Harmon. Mike says, "Bernie, don't try to pretend to be a reporter. I can assure you, I'm not pretending." By the way, feel free, folks, to pull up the Bernie Fratto versus Bruce Feldman poll. Who do you trust? Huh, I got 60% of the votes. He got 40. But I digress. I want to start with the Bears. The Bears. There will be no meltdown in Chicago, at least for now. Well, you know, the Bears entered last night's game with some not good history on the line. Well, good history against the Washington Redskins. Yeah, they beat them like 73 to nothing 70 years ago. And the rock continues. The Bears, a very cathartic evening. they get their first win in 347 days. You know, I was all set to sing the praises of the commanders. Uh, and I'm still going to uh, a little bit hold that thought. The commander's not two and three man and they look bad doing it. They lose 40 to 20. The Bears were 0 and four heading into the game. DJ Moore, Give it up to DJ Moore. Caught eight balls, 230 yards. Wow, that's Calvin Johnson material. Three touchdowns, both career highs. He was a force. He finally gave quarterback Justin Fields a competent downfield threat. The offense looked pretty good. Justin Fields looked very good last night, relatively speaking. 15-29, 282 yards, four touchdowns. Interestingly enough, give credit where credit's due, Where does Justin Fields rank in touchdown passes this season? Number one with a bullet in the NFL. That's, of course, an unfair stat because the rest of the weekend has yet to come. But, look, I've been all over Justin Fields like a cheap suit, and justifiably so. But they ran some offensive sets last night, and they they threw the ball when the Redskins... I know I keep saying Redskins. When the commanders thought they were going to run and vice versa, good game plan, executed it well... Uh, Give him some props, okay? The last Chicago Bear quarterback to throw for four touchdowns in back-to-back games. Remember, Fields has done it in back-to-back games now. Yes, you got it. Jay Cutler. All right, we move on. Uh, Chicago, maybe they'll throw a parade this week, but, you know, not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corsa would say because We will see if this becomes a blueprint for the Matt Eberflusera to survive, Uh, you know, a little early for that, but because they did it against a couple, you know, less than stellar defenses. But at least they can enjoy their time off and uh, read some good headlines for once. It's a huge win. Up on deck, the hapless Vikings and Raiders the next two weeks. So perhaps the Bears start to get a comeuppance, all right? All right, I was just getting ready to sing the praises of the Washington Commanders and Eric Biennemi. They got my attention last week. They really did. The Commanders, they took possession of the ball against the defending NFC champion Eagles. They were trailing 31-24 with a minute 36, only had one timeout. Very masterful drive, 64 yards, 10 plays, a 10-yard pass. Sam Howe connected with Jahan Dotson. as time ran out. The stuff legends are made of. But when they went to overtime, the Eagles won. And, of course, the the moniker Riverboat Ron is, I think, uh, going down the river because he, he, he elected to play for overtime instead of trying for a two-point conversion. Those are, I know, minor details, and it's real easy to play armchair quarterback when your butt's not on the line. But you have to ask yourself, if you are getting in the ring with a far superior team, Are you better off trying to one play for two yards or do you want to get in the ring with them for, you know, 100-yard field, 55 yards wide when they've got the better team? You saw what happened there. Sam Howell, I do like Sam Howell. He entered the game last week with two fourth-quarter victories in his hip pocket in three games this season. Remember, they beat Denver 35-33, then they beat Arizona 20-16. He would have gotten credit for one Sunday, but Washington did not win the game. Their defense could not Hold, right? But Sam Howell did produce a touchdown when the odds were stacked against him. And it's his two thousand, the last twenty three years. NFL teams have scored fifteen touchdowns in one hundred and thirty three drives. It's only eleven percent. When trailing between four and eight points in the fourth quarter when their drives are seventy yards away. Washington has done it sixteen times. Now the bottom line, they're making progress. Eric Bieniemy, the new offensive coordinator, I think he's done a good job. His team has an NFL uh, or a, a high in the NFL, not like a high when you smoke a joint. I'm talking about the NFL high, 67 percent of the time on early downs in the first half of the game. But their score differential and time of possession and thing of those of those na- of things of those nature, things of that nature, easy for me to say. Last time I ran a ton from that place, could improve. But I think uh, enemy's done a good job. Uh, They rank uh, ahead of Kansas City, Cincinnati, Miami, Buffalo. And their their offensive production's up 26% over last year. Commanders were very balanced. Very balanced attack against Philadelphia. 14 passes and 11 runs. I want to bring that up because I don't want to overshadow how bad Washington looked last night with the effort they had last week. Yes, it's two losses inside of five days. But... You, you, you find your wins, as is, uh, is my good buddy Mark Harmon would say. We are getting to the point in college football now we, where you can buckle up and put your seat backs forward and your tray tables upright. Things are starting to take off. Tomorrow, well, Saturday for some folks, we're already in Saturday. It's Friday night at 11.08 p.m. here on the left coast. But Saturday marks the end of an era for one of the best rivalries in the history of college football. The Texas-Oklahoma game, well, it'll be the final one played under the Big 12 banner. Both schools are set to join the SEC next year. I don't know if they'll get to play every year, right? But this is by far the most high-profile regular season meeting between these two in over 10 years. Now, they did meet in 2018, the Big 12 title game. The Longhorns, I was wrong about Texas so far. I was wrong. I'll probably owe my buddy Joe Fortenbaugh an apology but I can't. I still could never get by. Steve, get behind Steve Sarkeesian. and he, you know, he may have still well screwed us up. But man, if you look at Texas at the line of scrimmage on both sides, and their skilled players, and their quarterback, and their physicality, and their depth, and their speed, there's a reason they're ranked number three. I, I think they beat Michigan. I think they beat Florida State. Um, they already beat Alabama. And Alabama, Sooners, ranked 12. Their combined ranking of 15. Again, Longhorns 3, Sooners 12, that's the highest in 13 years. So, obviously, we've seen some down years between these two. Um, and, frankly, to be fair, Saturday could be the first of a couple of Texas-Oklahoma games this year. The Longhorns and the Sooners, really, they're the only two naturally ranked teams in this new look Big 12. Remember, they added BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. And the winner of this game, which I think will be Texas, which I'm going to handicap at the bottom of the hour. Uh, The winner, I think, will have a clear path to the conference championship game. The loser will have a shot of advancing to the title game, but the winner, they'll have a leg up. Now, we've seen Texas already on a big stage this season, but we've yet to see Oklahoma play an opponent with a similar talent level. Now, this Texas team, it seems real for the reasons I just gave, but is it actually, is it smoke and mirrors? Are they setting you up for a fall? That's what's happened during the uh, Steve Sarkeesian era. I don't think he's ever won nine nine games on a regular season. So Texas, I think, boasts the superior resume, right? Again, they beat Alabama. The two teams do match up exceptionally well. Both got high-powered offenses, stingy defenses. Go figure. Oklahoma, by the way, is averaging 47 points a game. Texas averaging 36, but on defense, Sooners have only allowed just under 11 points per game in their five games. Lincoln Riley leaves and they got a good defense. Who knew, right? The Longhorns have only allowed 12. I think Texas has had the better resume. But again, if it's anybody's guess how the game will play out, I'm going to probably go with Texas. But it, I, I, will, I will make a bold prediction. It will not resemble last year's 49-zip Texas you know, prison mugging. Ford, Texas beat them 49 nothing last year. That won't happen. Saturday, Coming up, we're going to dive into the NFL with uh, Jason Hershorn, He's been a guest on the show many times. A lot of storylines to get our mind around that have really started to form early in the season. And we're going to tackle them. Tonight's show brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Frado
3: Show on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at
2: foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, we're back on the Bernie Fratto Show. Fox Sports Radio coming to you live from the Tirec.com studios here in Las Vegas. We'll take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. So much to get to. Bernie's trivia game resumes at the top of the hour, 12 midnight Pacific. Let's welcome in a gentleman. He's been with me many times before. Co-founder of The Leap. It's a Packers newsletter. He's also written for uh, college football and the NFL for SB Nation. Say hello to Jason Hershorn. Hi, Jason. How are you? Bernie, it's been too long. It has, bud. And I'm glad to have you tonight uh, because it seems like there's a lot of storylines Forming. I want to start with the Jets-Denver game. Is the bloom off the rose since Aaron Rodgers is not playing, or to what degree will uh, the coaches uh, seem to remember what was said back in August?
7: Yeah, in terms of the controversy, it's definitely going to be discussed throughout, that, uh, throughout the weekend, uh, into the broadcast. Uh, at a certain point, I don't know how much either coaching staff is really thinking about that because – they frankly both have bigger issues. Now, the Denver Broncos have the statistically worst defense through four games in I think since nineteen eighty-one at least. Whereas the Jets, obviously without Aaron Rodgers to do with any number of offensive issues, now, their defense is still very potent, but that's only one side of the ball. All which to say is I think those are gonna be the focuses for the respective teams, even if the national narrative is gonna be
2: a little different. No, exactly. By the way, I'm glad you brought up Denver's defense. They were a top-ten defense last year. What happened, in your view?
7: Honestly, this is one of the biggest mysteries in the NFL to me this season because you're right. They weren't just a a good defense. They were one of the better defenses in the NFL, and the roster on defense is actually not that different. I know they just... Got rid of Randy Gregory, but he wasn't the biggest contributor to their success last year either. You know, they still had, or still have Patrick Sirkan, arguably the best corner in the NFL. They have other playmakers in that secondary, playmakers at the second level in the linebacking court. So I don't really know why this unit has gone from one of the best in the NFL to not just the worst. Like, being the worst in the NFL this year would be a problem. But, again, they are the worst through four games by certain metrics, including DVOA, since 1981. It is really hard to explain how a, how a unit goes from that good to that bad when there's not a big personnel adjustment. I know it's a different person calling the defense. Vince Joseph now it's not... Giro Evero, but still, that shouldn't be possible with that same group of players and, you know, it's going to be a question until they get it fixed. I don't know how they get that fixed this season.
2: You bring up a lot of good points. As you recall, last year through the first nine games, Denver had they merely averaged 19 points a game in regulation, it would have been 8-1. And, and By the way, I'm glad you brought up Randy Gregory because Dallas waved goodbye to Randy Gregory the year before when their defense got better, but I, I, I digress. Jason, let's talk about Thursday night's game Justin Fields had a bit of a coming out party. I feel like, regardless of what happens between now and the rest of the season, I don't think Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback in Chicago in 2024. Am I wrong?
7: On the one hand,
2: I, I'm cautioned
7: to say it, it's a little too early to say that. But then you look at all the other information here. You know, his two best games of the season were against that aforementioned terrible Denver Broncos defense. He then had another good performance against Washington Commanders defense that itself is not particularly good. And then you look at the Bears as a whole. You know, they're 1-4 they're in four now, still a pretty bad record. They have potentially the inside track of the top two picks in the 2024 NFL draft that, of course, we, yes. draft we all expect Caleb Williams to come out in. And, you know, if it wasn't that draft, I think there would probably be a little more patience. But if you're, if you're Bears manager, if you're running that front office, if you're Ryan Poles, and you have the option of going with Justin Fields. Let's say you've maintained some of this play throughout the year, even though I have questions about that. Do you want to go with Justin Fields going into what will be his fifth-year option decision point, or do you want to maybe reset the clock with one of the most talented quarterback prospects we've seen in, what, five, maybe even 10 years. You have to go back and to Andrew Luck to find someone who is, I guess Trevor Lawrence is comparably assessed, but you get my point. Like This is a potentially generational quarterback prospect that they could have the inside track the draft. And I think that just forces your hand to say, if we still have questions about this quarterback, we have to pivot this other way because, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect prospect, but Caleb Williams is going to make a very compelling case to be that guy for a lot of teams. So I think it's going to be really hard for Justin Fields, even acknowledging what he's done the past two weeks, for him to hold on to that job beyond the 2023 season. It just, it's just a perfect recipe for that team to move on this offseason.
2: Talking with Justin Hershorn, co-founder of the Leap, former writer NFL college football uh Justin I want to jump to Pittsburgh Baltimore Pittsburgh a home dog and this has been a nail-biter series for the better part of more than a decade for whatever reason Pittsburgh seems to be not firing under all cylinders like they typically do with Mike Tomlin what are your thoughts there
7: Well, I would say it's for a very clear reason. It's because of the way that offense is run. You know, this has got a lot of attention, obviously, with Matt Canada, the second-year offensive coordinator there. but. Take the name out of it. Just look at what they're doing on the field. You know, they're using motion in certain situations where it's only going to be a run or a short pass. And defenses have caught up to that. When they're more static, you know that it's going to be a pass further down the field. And again, if you and I know this, if we're talking about this. You know that NFL defensive coordinators are well aware of, those, of that information. So... If it's that predictable, and it might be the most predictable offense, not just the NFL this year, but in the last five years, then it's going to be difficult when you don't have extremely good talent. and. Right now, the Steelers just don't have that much talent on the offense. Now, they have some guys that can make plays. Obviously, George Pickens, second-year player, has thus far proven to be a pretty effective playmaker. But Kenny Pickett has just not thus far developed into the kind of quarterback he'd overcome those schematic obstacles. And when one side of the ball is as bad as the Steelers have been, and the defense, while still good, you know, it's... The NFL is not geared for defensive success. I think mean, we all know that's been the case for a long time now. It's going to be really hard to win. And in that division, and I know the Bengals have not played very well, but they're still a team that week to week can be competitive. The Ravens look very dangerous. The Browns in the right week, especially with their defense, can be dangerous. So it's just not a recipe for success, as we keep coming back to. I think until they fix that defense, and that's probably something they can't fix in the offseason, they're not going to be able to compete for anything meaningful.
2: No, you bring up a good point, and Matt Eberflus, Eberflus was a defensive specialist, so that remains a mystery as well. We talked about the Jets. Let's talk about the other New York team. I, you know, the, both the Jets and the Giants are duking it out for maybe the two worst teams in football. Interesting stat, Jason, the Giants and the Jets are the only two teams in the NFL this year. They haven't had the lead at any time during the course of a game the entire season. Meanwhile, the Giants outscored 64-3 to at home and they've got Miami this week. What is happening in Brian Dable in New York?
7: I think it's really just the law of averages coming back to bite them. If you go back to the 2022 season that was Brian Dable's first year as the head coach of the Giants, You know, it was kind of a smoke and mirrors operation on offense. I mean, especially that first half of his first season there, they weren't even really trying to conduct a normal passing game. You know, they were using Daniel Jones' You know, in some ways, kind of like you would with an option quarterback. There's a lot of designed runs. There were pitches involved. Like, they were doing things you don't normally see at the NFL level because they understood that they were at a talent deficiency. Now, they have more talent on that side of the ball this year than they did last year, especially in the receiving core. But that still isn't an overly talented unit. And you compound that with injuries. And obviously, right now, Andrew Thompson is going through some things. It's just really hard to move the ball that way. And that defense, just you know, it wasn't a great unit before. It's still not a great unit. It's just hard to win in that situation. Now, with the Jets, I think we know exactly what's going on there. They built the entire thing to run around Aaron Rodgers. He's not there. There's nothing you can do with that, right? Like, Aaron Rodgers is not coming back anytime soon. Until he's there or until they find some sort of other solution, it's just going to be a really difficult, difficult time moving the ball. You know, Zach Wilson is Zach Wilson. We've seen this show before. They're not going to learn new information about him this year. So all that to say is, those teams are dealing with talent deficiencies more than anything else, and yeah, that's an off-season solution, not an in-season one.
2: Wrapping it up with Jason Hershorn, co-founder of The Leap, a Green Bay Packers newsletter. So let's take it to your wheelhouse And Monday Night, uh, Jason. Green Bay is here in Las Vegas. Looks like Jimmy Garoppolo will play. I'm not sure if the Adams will but I'd rather deal with the larger storyline here. People are screaming for Josh McDaniels head, but I'm told that Mark Davis actually likes him and I think he's gonna survive, irrespective of his record. What are you hearing?
7: I haven't heard any serious discussion of Josh McDaniels getting fired. Now, we're in early October, right? Like, if this continues, into November and especially into December, that narrative can flip. But right now, I do think they want to give Josh McDaniels and that staff time. Remember, this is only year two. They're going through some larger changes. Obviously, they had Derek Carr for so many years. You know, Now they went with some more band-aid solution, Jimmy Garoppolo. They don't know what their long-term outlook is going to be under center. I think they want to at least give Josh McDaniels that opportunity to identify that player and build around him if they can. And... Frankly, it's going, it might take a little work. Like they, they have to play better over the course of the season. But Joshua McDaniels did not forget how to coach offense. I, th- I think a lot of people have sort of forgotten how effective multiple offenses under his uh, under his watch had been. And it's not purely a he had Tom Brady thing. You know, he's a very, very smart offensive football coach, if nothing else. And there is a lot of offensive talent on the Las Vegas Raiders roster. You named you know, the chief player among that. You know, Devontae Adams, and you have that kind of player, you're going to be able to, at least given enough time, figure something out. I don't think that team is going to struggle this badly throughout the year even if the record may not totally reflect that.
2: Jason, I just got about 30 seconds, and I hate to ask a question of this nature, but if there is a coach you could envision possibly not lasting the season uh, and getting the Ziggy, who might come to mind in the National Football League?
7: We might have already actually seen that in-season firing if the Thursday night game had gone the other way. Matt Eberflus is in serious trouble. Now, they they won a game. They won against a bad Washington Commander scheme. But, you know, a win is a win. They needed one. They narrowly avoid going a full calendar year without a win you know, it's just not a good situation there. The, the, the first season that he was a hair down that had very little to do with him, That everything to do with the reality of their salary cap and the state of their roster, and they trade Khalil Mack for a second-round pick just because they knew they weren't going to be able to be with him, so you might as well get an asset of quality for him while you can, and make other moves like that They trade Robert Quinn, basically trade everything that wasn't nailed down and on the rookie contract, and now they're supposed to show the results, right? Like, Justin Fields has weapons. They acquired. D.J. Moore. They added to that offensive line. They spent pretty extensively on the middle layer of that defense. I mean, they still don't really have a pass rush, but at least there's now money being spent there. And, you know, this is a team that's supposed to be for the Super Bowl. Nobody really thought that, but they were supposed to be more competitive than they were through the first four weeks. And, you know, if that Thursday night game proves to be just an anomaly, and there's a real chance that that's the case. I don't know that my is going to make it through the year. I think it's actually very likely that he wouldn't, because you know Ryan Poles is the second-year general manager, but technically he hired Eberflus, but not exactly. He was the general manager, or he was hired general manager after they started the interview process for the head coach. So I'm not sure they're quite as tied as other GM and head coaches are. And yeah, if this continues—not the Thursday night thing, but the previous four weeks—that proves to be the real trend. Then I think he really ends up being the guy who gets fired first.
2: Jason, good stuff as always. Let's get you on again uh, as the season goes on with more updates. Appreciate your time. Anytime, Bernie. That is Jason Hershorn, co founder of The Leap, a Green Bay Packer newsletter, former writer for SB Nation, covered college football and the NFL. Let's dive back into college, take a little closer look at Texas, Oklahoma. But first. Let's go to our guy who always molly the competition. It would be Kevin Figures with the latest. Thank you, Bernie. We'll start
8: with college football from Friday night. A couple of games on the FBS D1 slate. Nightcap seeing Nebraska win its Big Ten tilt over Illinois by the score of 20-7. to 158 rushing yards there for the Huskers and a couple of scores to improve to 3-3 and on the year. Earlier in the night, Oklahoma State defeated Kansas State 29-21. In NFL news, Packers offensive tackle David Bakhtiari announced he will have surgery on his left knee and will miss the remainder of the season. It'll be the fifth surgery on that knee for the two-time all pro since 2020. Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo did clear concussion protocol and will start on Monday night against Green Bay. 49ers acquired defensive end Randy Gregory from the Broncos for a sixth-round draft pick. The Dolphins traded a sixth-round pick to the Bears for receiver Chase Claypool and a seventh rounder. And Major League Baseball Rangers pitcher Max Scherzer threw to live hitters for the first time since mid-September. Still no word on if he will be added to the ALDS Roster. They will take on Baltimore in Game One of their series Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern on FS1. Back to Bernie Freddo.
2: All right, thanks so much, Kevin. So the beauty of the Texas Oklahoma game Saturday is folks are hoping that it returns to the classic form. It, there was a time when it absolutely resembled a heavyweight fight every year. Right? You know, where, where, you know, Mike Tyson fight. Uh, I mean, back in 2009. When Texas advanced to the national championship game, they were ranked third. Uh, they beat uh, Oklahoma sixteen to thirteen, and Mac Brown even even said this was more like a fight uh, than a than a football game. And and, it, and it's been that way, except it's really diminished over the last few years. Uh, last last season, as I mentioned, the Sooners uh, got blown out forty nine to nothing, but Oklahoma. Has done a lot they were only six and seven last year they've really done a lot to backfill they were allowing 460 yards a game last year 30 points a game they went out and signed seven stud defensive recruits the most since the rankings began back in 2006 the type of rankings in terms of ranking prospects one of those players peyton brown you'll hear his name safety number 17 overall in the class he leads oklahoma with four uh, passes breaking up and two block punts. So, very opportunistic team, Oklahoma has been. And again, Oklahoma's only allowed 54 points the entire season. That's the fewest by a Big Ten team over the first five games since 2009, when Oklahoma did it. And Nebraska also did it. Go figure. Lincoln Riley leaves, and the defense gets a lot better. Talked about that last week. Texas, meanwhile, 5-0 and for the first time since 2009. And the last time they started 5-0, and they won the Big 12. They advanced to the championship game against Alabama, played with the Rose Bowl. Happened to be at that game. That's the game where Colt, uh, Colt McCoy got hurt, I think, in the first series, and the game became a foregone conclusion. Texas, I think, impressed me more than any other time this season last week because they not only beat Kansas, a very well-coached team by Lance Leipold, they beat it by 26 points. That's their largest win in an AP-ranked matchup, again, going back 15 years when they beat Oklahoma State by a margin. So you're talking about offenses having huge days. Texas 661 yards last week, the most in a conference game in the Big 12 since 1996. Oklahoma scored 50 or more points In the first three uh, games, three of the first five games this season. And so, what we have here is the makings of a fitting throwback. These two teams, their final Big 12 version, this is an historic rivalry, all part of the State Fair, where if you like fried foods, they have over 70 choices of fried foods at the State Fair. If there's only one game I could watch Saturday, it would be Oklahoma and Texas. But I would probably sneak peek at Texas A&M, Bama, and Arizona State, Colorado. Coming up, I want to dive into those two games, too, because my choice on who I think is going to win uh, might surprise you. Tonight's show brought to you by Discover. Discover, uh, at the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled. Seriously. See terms. Check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. 11.45 p.m. Pacific. Phone lines open up, 877-99 on Fox, 877-996-6369. Round 10 of Bernie's trivia game continues. We're almost done for the uh, second version of it. Poppy trying to defend his title. I know we didn't get the standings out this week. Hopefully get them out next week. But look forward to getting your calls. The phone lines will open up at 1145 p.m pacific don't get shut out i'm bernie frado we're coming to you live from las vegas fox sports radio tire rock.com studios keep it locked you're listening to the bernie frado show on fox sports radio
0: Rappaport's reality, the reality a little of bit. us. We're a figuring little bit.
6: out. And <laughs> if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. It, it, would been, Ooh, it would have been the been podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: We're back on the Bernie Fratto show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from Tarak.com studios. Phone lines are open. 877-996-6369. Shea will take your calls. Top of the hour, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. We will resume Bernie Frato's trivia game, round 10. It'll go 12 weeks, and we'll crown a champion. We'll see if Poppy can repeat or who can take the crown. Phone line's open, 877 on Fox. A couple of other college games I will have a great interest in uh, because... Look, I like Nick Saban. I'm a Nick Saban fan. Uh, Alabama's laying three at Texas A&M. Alabama's looked better each of the last two weeks. But from being honest, the Tide, well, they faced a very short-handed Ole Miss team. That was a must-win game at home in Alabama. Then they follow up with that blowout at Mississippi State. Uh, I don't think Mississippi State's real good. Just look what LSU did to them a few weeks back. So... You can't really say everything's back to normal in Alabama, okay? They've got question marks uh, Jalen Milrow their quarterback. They does give Bama the best chance to win, but he's very limited as a passer uh, That could spell doom against Texas A&M and their defense Because uh, they fixed their issues against the run from a season ago so you can expect they'll put a spy on Jalen Milrow And he just can't take off and run and improvise whenever he likes. That could be an issue. He's going to get hit. Now, on the season, the Aggies, Texas A&M Aggies, ranked 17th nationally in rush success rate, and they're only allowing 2.9 yards per carry on the ground. That's a massive improvement from last year. Last year, Texas A&M ranked 108th, and they were giving up almost 5 yards on the ground. Why? because they've put together a front seven that is loaded they rank 15th top nationally in defensive line yards and what's interesting they bring over Bobby Petrino to run the offense you know I talked about Texas uh, Texas A&M's NIL program last year and the massive amount of money they spent and they coalesced to combine about 30 million dollars and they brought in all kinds of phenomenal recruits and it's just it fell, on, it fell on his face. Well, I don't know, maybe these guys are maturing. But as a result of what I've just told you, Texas A&M, what they're doing is they're shutting down their opponents on the ground and early downs. So they're forcing them into you know tough, challenging, down-and-distance situations in which most of the time you're going to expect that the team is going to have to pass. So similar to what you saw with Texas, well – a m has really got the juice, and they got the athletes to cause major disruption against Alabama up front. I kind of expect that to happen. We'll see. It's going to be a real slugfest. Uh, meanwhile, you know, uh, Texas AM, you like him or not, Bobby Petrino, like him or not, Jimbo Fisher brought him in. They've really modernized that offense, and they're improving every week. The defense is one of the most improved units. In the country, they had the terrible down year last year, but they are better. Texas A&M is better now. They got to prove it on the field, all right. But I don't see a much of a drop off at all between their two quarterbacks, uh, Connor Wegman, who's out for the year. He would have been the starter. Max Johnson, the son of Brad Johnson, Super Bowl Brad Johnson. First four games of this season, he's looked very serviceable, a lefty, right. So I think you can reasonably trust the Texas A&M passing attack more than Bama's passing attack. So that's an area where the Texas A&M Aggies have a talent edge over Alabama. I like Nick Saban. It'll be an anathema for that program. I visited the campus this last summer. Um, It'll be an anathema for Bama fans to lose their second game and we're not even out of October. Ultimately, I think the Aggies get this done. They're probably going to win the battle in the trenches on both ends. They're going to have the ability to do a sustained drives because they'll have a better balanced attack through the air and on the ground. Bama has struggled in road games. You know that, not just this season, in the recent seasons. As a matter of fact, Bama's gone five and ten against the spread in their last or in last, their last fifteen road games on the road. Department of Redundancy Department. That's since 2019, including two and five against the spread against ranked opponents of which Texas A&M is ranked and Texas A&M is an underdog at home. So, remember what happened to Alabama back in 2021, the last time they visited College Station, they lost outright and they were laying 18 points. Boy, how times have changed. We will see what happens. It's a game I want to watch, though. The other game, very much I want to see. You know, there hasn't been a lot of talk about Colorado this week. Maybe people are mentally fatigued about the story. I'm not. I think the story's getting started. But I I believe if you're a Colorado fan, you must be a little concerned that the team is mentally fatigued. Colorado to start the season had five straight games with mass hype. And then, you know, the last two between Oregon and USC. I don't know, man. And I give Colorado top credit for fighting last week. And they're down. They're getting banged up. No Travis Hunter. Uh, Shiloh Sanders didn't play. I think Shador Sanders is a little nicked up. So how much gas does Colorado have in the tank? They're starting to look like they might be running on empty a little bit. Now, there's a high probability, I believe. I know it's against the law to practice psychology without a license. I just get a funny feeling. Colorado gets to the desert in Tempe as a a four-and-a-half-point underdog, and they come out a little flat. I just feel they come out a little flat. Uh and they've got depth concerns. No more is Travis Hunter still not bad for what it's worth. But here's the thing. How do you get up week after week after week, like Deion Sanders has done to start and this high crescendo, uh you know, highly charged atmosphere? The other thing too is uh Colorado is is a road favorite. They're lane four and a half. They don't exactly profile as a great road favorite because they can't run the ball. The numbers show that out. And they don't really play a whole hell of a lot of defense. So from a matchup perspective, that's going to help Arizona State. They're great out very well against the pass. That's a massive issue against a Colorado offense that's been completely relying on the pass. And why not? Shador Sanders is a first-round quarterback. I believe he would be drafted in the first round. So... You know, and, and, and I would say this, on passing down explosiveness, Colorado trails only Michigan, Cal, Ohio State, and Georgia, but they're going up against a very good defense. They're, they're going to have to yeah, – the irony, by the way, I, I should include this, Arizona State struggles immensely to contain teams in their opposing running attacks, as it were, but I don't think that's much of a concern against Colorado because they have the seventh lowest yard rush rate in the entire country. average 2.6 yards per carry so Arizona State's had back-to-back covers but you have to hold your nose a little bit to grab them but I am grabbing Arizona State and the points on Saturday I know they had that 38 nothing loss to Fresno State Uh, they got shut out at home for the first time in like 35 years and in that game though the Sun Devils had eight turnovers and they went through like three or four quarterbacks because people kept getting hurt but they rebounded okay they look more than adequate throwing the ball downfield through for 344 yards last week against Cal. I would say their quarterback, Trenton Bourget, he, he's their best option, should have no issues moving the ball through the air 30. on Colorado. By the way, not not for nothing, Arizona State, 46-31 and 31 against the spread home conference openers in the last 17 years. Only Kansas and Wake Forest, Kansas State and Wake Forest, are better, so I like Arizona State plus four and a half, and I do like Texas AM plus a three against Alabama. Full lines are open. 877-996-6369. Nine, nine, six, 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 Up next, four, Bernie's four, trivia three, game. Don't get don't miss it. One. Yes, sir. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratter show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratter coming to you live. Tyreck.com studios here in Las Vegas. Tyrac.com We'll help you get there. And I'm at selection. Fast free shipping, free road action protection. And over 10,000 recommended installers, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. It's Friday night, midnight Pacific time. So as you know, it is that time. We turn it over to our guy, Shay for Bernie's trivia game. Shea, take it away.
1: We got questions. We got prizes. Are you all ready to have some fun? Lots of fun. Who will come out on top? We're calling on you. Let's see what you got. It's game time. It's showtime. Oh! It's Bernie's backyard bumps and bats.
2: Hey Bernie, how you doing? Shay, it's that time, buddy. Here we go. We're in week ten now, and we'll wrap it up after twelve weeks. So, starting tonight, three weeks left in Bernie Frado's trivia game.
9: It's becoming a race. We're we're real, getting real close to the end, and it's we got what two more weeks left. Two more after this. So this is week 10, I believe. Yeah. Sweet. So let's get right into it. We got Emmett from Olympia. How you doing, Emmett?
2: Hey, Emmett. Bernie, Shay, Mighty Mark. What's going on, guys? Good, buddy. Maybe you can make that late run. Uh, I think I, I haven't seen the standings. I think Dave is in first place from Phoenix. But hey. You're like, so- what,
7: 1,100? 1, right, Shea?
2: Yep, yep. So yep. let's, let's see what you got there, big fella.
9: So with our first question, who was the first pick in the <laughs> NHL draft this year?
7: Uh, Connor McDart. McDart. Went to the Blackhawks,
2: Mark Blackhawks. He's got it right. He nailed it. Connor McDart. I know it sounded funny coming over the phone, uh, but, uh, boy, that was uh, – they had their eyes on him for for a while, and uh, he's uh, – so we'll see what happens. All right. Off and running, uh, Emmett. The, te- the Texans yes, are
9: taking on the Falcons at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Sunday on Fox. The over-under is set at 41 and a half. What do you guys got?
7: Ooh, I, you know, I, li- I like TJ throughout the game, and uh, I think the Falcons are going to do a little bit of something. So give me that over.
2: I actually like the other side. I think both teams need to establish a running attack, and neither quarterback is has really been able to well, I take that back. C.J. Stroud's been outstanding. Uh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go under, though. I'm, I'm going to stand. Or Emmett, maybe you're right, buddy. We'll see, but I'm going to go under. All right, man. Thank you, Bernie. Good Good luck. Good night, thank you, Emmett. Have a good luck. I almost stepped on my tongue there. C.J. Stroud's been outstanding. Oh, he's been great. All right.
9: Next, we got Poppy from San Diego. How are you Poppy? doing, Poppy? Hey, guys. I'm
4: right here. Excited.
2: And you, Bernie? How's everything with you guys? Dude, I'm uh, going to be talking... Uh, Major League playoffs here uh, a little later yeah. in the show. Guess who's not in the Major League playoffs? Oh, the Stinky Poggers. Stinky, uh, yep. No, we I wish we could count that as a as an answer. But uh, all right, Shay, take it away, buddy. We steal your thunder there. All right, Poppy.
9: What was the nickname of the 1992 USA Olympic basketball team?
7: The dream, isn't
3: it? The dream team. I
2: know. There that. you go. There you go. Yeah. If i never ever the term dream team again, it'll be too soon, I'll tell you. All right, <laughs> time for the bet. The Diamondbacks
9: are taking on the Dodgers at 6.20 p.m. Pacific Standard Time later today. The over-under is set at 8. Kershaw's pitching for the Dodgers, while Merrill Kelly is pitching for the Diamondbacks. Who you guys got, or what's the over-under? Ooh,
7: over-under. Oh, Kelly, uh, you know, uh, yeah, over-8 uh, for uh, two EV and i think you know Kershaw he's a great pitcher and he's going to have a lot of uh, you know a lot of hits that are going to put i'm going to go with the over a lot of hits a lot of runs over
2: so actually i got to go against you poppy i'm going to go on the under kershaw has been pretty solid this season but one of the things that draws my attention the game will start 620 pacific time there're going to be shadows and the first 3 3 or 4 innings maybe the first 3 innings there'll be a very difficult hitting background so uh I'm gonna I'm gonna uh I'm gonna stick with the uh the under in that game.
7: All uh, right, good luck, Bernie. Thank you, guys. Right, you
9: too, buddy. Thanks, Bobby. All right, next we got Kurt from San Clemente. How you doing, Kurt?
2: Hey Kurt, he's a regular. Hey Bernie. How you doing, buddy? Hanging in there. How about yourself? Same deal. All right, what do we got, Shay?
9: This player just got traded to the Miami Dolphins from the Bears
2: this week. Who am I? Claypool. Judges will allow it. Chase Claypool in one of the oddest transits. You know, that's like just getting rid of him, right? I mean, I understand he's got some attitude issues. Stay home, man. Stay home. Anyway, watch, right. him, go to my- watch him go to Miami right. and light it up. All right, what do we got uh, next, uh, Shay? Number 12, Oklahoma,
9: is taking on number three, Texas, in the all-state Red River rivalry at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time later today. Texas is going into the game minus five. Do they cover?
2: Love Oklahoma. Interesting. Hard to go against that defense. Stingy defense, but they haven't kept fast company like Texas has. I know I'm just waiting to get burned. I'm waiting to get burned by uh, by uh, Steve Sarkeesian, but I gotta lay the wood. I just think this Texas team on both sides of the ball is the best Texas team I've seen in 15 years. So you may Burn, be right, you may get me, Kurt, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna t- I
7: agree, Burn. I agree with you. I think it's the emotion of the 49 to nothing last year. Yes, that's that gonna matter. Right. Of Oklahoma
2: steaming. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I, I talked about that uh, earlier in the show. Uh, we'll see how that factors in, but you're 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 absolutely right. And that that's gotta be weighing in the back of their mind. So I think it'll be much closer now. We both know that. All right, good luck, Kurt. Thanks, Burn. Have a good night. Thank, Thank
9: you. you, Kurt. All right, next we got Nathan from Orlando. How you doing, Nathan?
2: Hey Nathan. Hey, evening. Evening, morning. Okay, what do we got, Shay?
9: This athlete won oh. Auburn its second Heisman Trophy in nineteen eighty five and went on to play in the NFL and the MLB, playing for the Kansas City Royals and the Raiders.
2: Um. Yeah. Uh, Auburn. Is uh, that buzzer? Nick. That would be Vincent Edward Bo Jackson. Oh, darn. It. All right. All right. Not easy.
9: All right. Number twenty-three LSU is taking on number twenty-one Missouri at nine a.m. Pacific Standard Time later today. The over/under is set at sixty-four. What do you guys have?
2: I'm going under. Yeah, I am too. I am too. Missouri's 5 know oh, They play pretty good defense. And LSU has yet to show that they can play good defense, but athletically, Brian Kelly's teams get better. That's a lot of points
9: 64-9. for a division
2: game. Yeah. Um, they, they put up – these teams haven't played in three years, and they put up 56 three years ago. Look, both teams, lots of yards, passing yards, lots of uh, – rushing yards and all that. I think in this matchup, though, you're going to see uh, a grinder. Uh, I don't think he's going over 64 points. So we'll see what happens. All
9: right. Thanks, Nathan. Thank, Thank you. you.
2: Thank you. And last, we got Dave from Phoenix. How you doing, Dave? There he is. I, Dave, Hello, I, Bernie. I haven't seen the standings yet, but I do believe you're in first place, I think. I sure hope so. All right. You just got to pull the kick here and, and close it out. All right. Which
9: two teams are in the WNBA
2: finals? Oh, that would be the Las Vegas Aces
7: and the New York Liberty.
2: Look at that. It opens up here Sunday. We'll see if the Aces can go back to back. What's interesting, That's really been a home-and-home series. Uh, the, the Liberty has beaten the Aces in New York, and the Aces beat them here, although the Liberty did beat the Aces here in the Commissioner's Cup game. So uh, I think this series is going to go down to the wire. We'll see what happens. All right.
9: The Saints are taking on the Patriots on Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The line is even. Who you guys got?
7: Oh boy, it's at New England, right? No. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, yeah, is. Yeah, it is at it's,
2: New
9: England. It's, it's, it's yeah.
7: Yeah. Even money. I'm going to take
2: New England to win that game. I am, too. It's a fade on the Saints and Derek Carr. I told you their offense wouldn't be any good. They can't even get to 20 points a game. Their defense is okay. But that Dennis Allen-Derek Carr combo proves to just be uh, death for better. So I'm with you. And New England is better than they have shown. And they've had a pretty tough schedule out of the gate. And I think they get right. Oh, I hope world. you're
3: right,
9: Bernie.
2: All right. I you hope you're right as well. All right. Is that <laughs> it uh, tonight? Uh, that is it. Thanks so much, Dave. All right, Hopefully we all get right this. guys. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck, uh, Dave. Uh, good luck. Thank you to all the callers. Hopefully, we get the standings out this week. Still, two more weeks after this week, and uh, it was a, quite a battle for the last two weeks uh, last year, and I expect it to to be the same. You still got a shot, guys. Call in. That's right. Anyone could win. There you go. Tonight's show, again, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive thinks bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up, let's give out some, some report cards. Through week five, who have been the winners and losers in college football? Not just players, but teams. Here's a hint. Kentucky, boy. And the running back Ray Davis. Boy, we'll get to the back. We'll get back to that in just a second. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas studios here, at Fox Sports Radio. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. We are back on the Bernie Frato Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Tyrack.com studios here in Las Vegas. We'll take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern, a lot to get to. We are, believe it or not, already into week six of college football. And through week five, plenty of storylines are forming. Give it up to Kentucky and the running back, Ray Davis. You, 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 and, you know, Brock Bowers, deservedly so. Gets a hell of a lot of press, uh, and he should. But don't go to sleep on, on Ray Davis, a Kentucky running back. Kentucky rolled. They not only beat Florida last week, they beat him 33-14 to 14, thanks to a phenomenal day from their running back, Ray Davis. 26 carries, 280 yards. 280 yards. Four total touchdowns. Kentucky beats the Gators third consecutive year for the first time, well, since President Harry Truman was in office. You can Google that. Thanks to Ray Davis, and I was surprised how physical Kentucky was on both sides of the ball. They don't have a great quarterback. It looked very shaky against Vanderbilt. I'm glad I didn't bet the game because I wouldn't have had the Coyones to bet Kentucky last week. They were a short road home dog, but they're 5-0 and oh now. And guess what? They get Georgia Saturday, and I got to tell you, I think that game is going to be a hard fought game. It's a backhanded compliment that Georgia's getting, but because they're not blowing teams out, people are saying, "Well, Georgia might be a little down this year." You know what? Until somebody actually beats them, uh, just uh, you know, uh, you know, get yourself a cold compress, lie down with some warm milk, milk and soft music. Georgia's good, just because they're not killing teams. So. The winner that comes to mind is Kentucky and Ray Davis. The loser that comes to mind is USC and their defense. You told us you were better. You're not better. You don't tackle with a crap. Can somebody please give Caleb Williams a defense? The dude, you know, he won the Heisman, and frankly, he's putting up Heisman numbers again this year. USC, they're ranked eighth. They put up 48 points against Colorado. That's the good news. The bad news, they only put up they gave up 41. Caleb 30 of 40, 403 yards, six touchdowns. He did throw a pick, so he is human. But unfortunately for Caleb Williams, his defense is not any better than last year. The Trojans, I don't I don't think the Trojans will emerge from the Pac-12 when you allow 564 yards to Colorado. Chances are when Washington and Caleb DeBoer and Michael Panix and those NFL wide receivers and they're currently ranked 7th get on the field. Or number 9, Oregon gets on the field. Well, I think they're going to have a field day against USC's defense. Now, we got to wait a month for that. They play, though, in back-to-back weeks. November 4th and November 11th. And I don't feel good for Troja- the Trojans. Uh, I'm, I'm, I said it last week and... I trust my eyes to tell me a lot, you know. Maybe I see can get some tackling lessons uh, between now and November fourth. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Georgia tight end Brock Bowers, the bull, the, you know. Georgia and Kirby Smart they kept their 22 game winning streak alive. They were trailing Auburn 10 nothing, and they come back and win 27-20 once again. Brock Bowers, he was the reason. Caught eight balls, 157 yards, including a 40 yard touchdown catch and run. With 250 left in the game this season already, Brock Bowers he's caught 30 balls, 413 yards, three touchdowns, and um, he is I, I think he's I think he's got 23 career touchdowns now, and that ties him with AJ Green uh, for the second most in program history. Boy, I look at Brock Bowers that he could play in the NFL right now. When you look at you know maybe next year at this time he'll be dating uh, Taylor Swift, but I digress. She goes out with tight ends from what, I, what I'm what i hearing. The loser. I'm a big Trent Dilfer fan. Uh, I, he used to come on as an analyst, and he was brilliant. Uh, he was coaching at High School Academy, I think, in Tennessee, and they were kicking butt and taking names, and now he's jumped to the Division I level. And as you find, it happened with Tony Sanchez here in Las Vegas. It happened with Jerry uh, Faust back in the day at Notre Dame. I think it happened with Todd Dodge at North Texas State. You jump from high school to college, you just don't have time. I, I, it, it doesn't work, and I like I like Trent Dilfer. I didn't know he had anger management issues, and maybe he doesn't, but last Saturday he did. Dilfer, as you know, is the head coach at Alabama-Birmingham, and they lost last week. I think Tulane, I think, is a very good team, very good. But they lost 35-23, and Dilfer looked like he was having a conniption fit uh, he had this major sideline outburst, and here's here's the punchline: wasn't directed at the referees or what it was, it was directed at an assistant coach. It was kind of a bad look, and uh, you know I, I I don't know if he did that at Lipscomb Academy and we just didn't know about it. This guy's won a Super Bowl, man, and I've always thought he was a very measured guy. Not last week. Um when you lose your temper, uh it's usually not a story, but in this case I think it was. Dilfer took things too far, and I think I I don't know what I don't know if it was just an autonomic response and he caught himself. You don't look tough when you do that. You look stupid. Uh he's he he may be a little out of his element, and I never would have suspected this for a guy that's got such a good football mind. Uh Alabama and Birmingham, he's only one and four. And I don't know how they write the ship. Not my problem. Let's go back to the winner column. Baylor, wow, what a wild comeback last week. They're 2-3. and three. They're on the brink of a blowout loss at Central Florida. You're getting into the third quarter, mid-third quarter. Central Florida runs their lead up to 35-7. But here come the Bears. Must be a good week for Bears. Chicago Bears Thursday night and the Baylor Bears last Saturday. They come roaring back 29 unanswered points, including 26 points in the fourth quarter. Somehow, Baylor escapes with a 36-35 win. They've never trailed 28 by 28 points in their entire program history uh, per Elias Sports. And their 25-point fourth-quarter deficit overcome, well, that's the third third-largest in, I think, college football history. Pretty heady stuff, all right? Well, for every winner, there's going to be a loser, right? Well, the loser might be the team that Baylor played, UCF. They had the play of the year. Uh, And by the way, they had this 16-yard completion from their quarterback, Timmy McLean. It's going to be hard to describe. You really have to see it on, on film. He retreated 20 yards because there was this crazy pass rush. And then all of a sudden, he just lets the ball go to a wide receiver by the name of R.J. Harvey. And this is all on fourth and five. And unfortunately for Central Florida, it was for naught uh, because they, they, they actually were able to move the chain. So picture this, fourth and five. And then you drop back 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage and you're running around like Monty Python and you throw a ball to R.J. Harvey and you get the first down to keep Pope's alive, which essentially set up an opportunity for a field goal as time expired that would have gotten UCF the game. The, the, it would have been the game winner, but their quarterback, are checked at their kicker. And by the way, this, is, he, this guy makes my all-time name team. His name is Colton Boomer. Colton Boomer. But he had a 59-yard field goal attempt, uh, and it came up short. Loser, sorry, sorry, uh, you get nothing and like it. With that name, Boomer, how do you not go to Oklahoma and be a Boomer sooner? Huh? Did, I'm, I'm curious. Did Oklahoma create? Did they recruit Colton Boomer? Maybe we can have our crack research staff research that one. How does Colton Boomer, the kicker for Central Florida, not get recruited by Oklahoma? All right, I don't need to repeat that anymore. It really wasn't that funny. All right, winner, Missouri, Brady Cook. Missouri is a very surprising 5-0. Remember, they just joined the SEC a few years ago. Thanks to Brady, Brady Cook, he doesn't make mistakes. Does not make mistakes. They beat Vanderbilt, and not a very good team, 38-21, but Cook has now broken the SEC record for consecutive passes without an interception. Who do you think he is? Jared Goff, Jared Goff, doing that right, finishes the game 33 of 41, career high 395 yards, four touchdowns. He's got 348. He don't want to be the master of the pronoun. Missouri's quarterback Brady Cook, he now has 348 consecutive attempts without an interception. If he keeps it up tomorrow against LSU, well, it'll be Missouri. Well, they're, they're going to be making noise in the SEC. Okay, they'd be six and zero. The final loser of the night. LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. taking He's getting hit more than Rocky Balboa. Let's just put it that way. He's playing quarterback as well as anybody in the country. It's a minor miracle considering the number of brutal hits this guy's taken this year. And their 55-49 loss last week to Ole Miss. By the way, no one fouled out in that game. Daniels was perfect, 27-36, 513 yards, and he took a couple of massive Mike Tyson-type hits. The first resulted in an end-zone fumble. And then he managed to get a 15-yard personal foul penalty for a late hit on the other one. Also took a huge hit against Florida State in the season opener. Protect your quarterback, Jaden Daniels. He's having a hell of a year. Brian Kelly's teams get better as the year goes on, though, so I expect that to happen. Coming up, we move to baseball. The wild cards are behind us. How about some takeaways from the wild card sweeps? Because some very bright minds were rendered useless when you try to surmise what happened this last week in a couple of those series. All four series were sweeps. We'll get to that in just a second. First, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Figures, with the latest.
8: Okay, Bernie had a couple of college football matchups on Friday night. Nebraska with a victory over Illinois 20-7. Despite committing 10 penalties for 70 yards and committing three turnovers, they improved to 3-3 three and three on the season. In the Big 12, Oklahoma State defeated Kansas State 29-21. to The Pokes intercepting Wildcats quarterback Will Howard three times on the night. Fox's big noon kickoff game today will feature fourth-ranked Ohio State facing 5-0 and Maryland. The NFL Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo cleared concussion protocol and will start on Monday night against Green Bay. The Packers will be without all pro-offensive tackle David Bakhtiari for the remainder of the season as he undergoes knee surgery. Lions receiver Amara St. Brown doubtful to play against Carolina with an abdominal injury. Rams receiver Cooper Cup was a full participant in practice this week and will make his season debut against Philadelphia barring a setback with his hamstring injury in Major League Baseball, the Divisional Series begins today at 2 p.m. Eastern on FS1. The Orioles hosting the Rangers, followed by the Twins taking on the Astros on FS1 at 445 Eastern. Back to Bernie Frado.
2: All right. Thanks, Kevin. And, of course, you heard Kevin in about 11 hours from now. The baseball playoffs resume all part of the mix. October is a very exciting sports month. And as you know, the wild wildcard series is no longer that one game deal. And there are three wildcard teams that make it from each uh, f- f- from each league. Based, they're the teams with the best records that didn't win their respective division. And so now they're three game series, and in a, it's still a very short series. So in a three game series, as you well know, just about anything could happen, and, and it did. Yet all four all four series sweep. Rangers, remember that fast start that Tampa Bay got on? They looked unbeatable the first month of the season. Well, they are. Give it up for Bruce Bochy. Had a nice talk with him a couple of Mondays ago when they there at Angel Stadium. Name drop. It's a very basebally thing when storylines get a bunch of attention to try to make things look important. And the Rangers are sort of an they're sort of an example of this phenomenon. They bring over Bruce Bochy. They sign players. They have a big splash. They had crazy coverage when the Rangers signed Jacob DeGrom to a five-year, $185 million contract. They were all excited. This Texas team looked like it might be on the rise. They had, you know, this, this very accomplished pitcher. And, uh, of course, you can't say anything in life without there being detractors. People had, you know, were very alarmed about this because the Rangers were uh, committing a t- tremendous amount of money to a guy with – Who's had arm injury, right? And so he had arm trouble. He's 35 years old. And wouldn't you know it, he's 35 years old. He wound up pitching a grand total of 30 innings this season before having a second elbow injury that will now also require Tommy John surgery. Then there was a trade deadline acquisition of Max Serger, who was DeGrom's former teammate. Again, big name, big risk when you consider... Scherzer's age, the mileage on that arm, the recent injuries, and they cost him a major prospect who happens to be... Texas had to trade to the Mets, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s little brother. Scherzer gave them a whopping 45 innings before straining a muscle in his throwing shoulder, kept him out of the wild card series, will likely keep him out of the division series. The Rangers signed Nathan Eovaldi to a two-year, $34 million deal in the winter. And they trade uh, they trade a prospect to the Cardinals, and uh, look, uh, you know Ivaldi and Montgomery the, the reasons why the Rangers, not Scherzer, not Degrom, Ivaldi and Montgomery just turned the Rangers uh, into a team that's one series away from getting into the championship series, and then of course the World Series. And uh, they the, the Rays had been hitting the ball like crazy all year and. They rendered them, uh, you know, pretty, well, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? I almost said a dirty word there. I don't want to do that. Let's just put it this way. The, the Rays couldn't hit, all right? There's a debate sometimes about what lengths teams should go to to chase a wild card spot, given the randomness of October baseball and short series. But I really give it up to the Rangers in their front office. They were adamant about the value of just getting into the postseason. You get into the dance Anything can happen. That's why they left no stone unturned in free agency. And uh, it served them well. And you got a guy, Bruce Bochy, my buddy Tim Flanner used to say, uh, when the heat gets hot and it's hard to breathe, I want to be with that guy in a foxhole. Remember, three championships with the Giants in 12, uh, 2010, 2012, and 2014. Uh, you talk about a guy guiding the ship. We'll, uh, we'll break down the Rangers next series coming up top of the hour. Twins over Blue Jays are happy for the twins. Twins win. Twins win. They can never get by the Yankees. I think the Blue Jays should have just painted Yankees in the front of their jersey maybe they'd have got it done. Uh, give it up, man. Uh, the twins uh, did what they needed to do. Um, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr, the most important you know play of game two didn't didn't look good. He's a son of a hall, hall of Famer. I think the Blue Jays really had designs to maybe get into the World Series. It just hasn't materialized. It hasn't really amounted to much. The Jays have really not made a serious run with the AL East, and now they've been swept out of the wild card series. Not once, but twice. And uh, three times, actually. And then they missed the playoffs under the old format in 2021. Look, this is more a story about the Blue Jays, I think, disappointment. The Twins are a good little team, all right? And we'll get into the... Their next series coming up, top of the hour. But there, there are a lot of reasons why disappointments like this happens. Like I think they're very disappointed in Toronto. They get swept, and lost both games at home. Look, it would be fair to suggest the biggest disappointment has been Vladimir Guerrero himself. Um, he's, you know, he's he had a monster year three years ago. Was the AL MVP runner up, but uh, he, he he's just uh, this lapse in judgment on on the base pass when the Blue Jays really needed a run. And I think the the Blue Jays are kind of left scratching their head as they head into the offseason. Uh, go ar- they're going to go to arbitration with Vlad Guerrero, and uh, they're going to have to spend money if they want to try to stay relevant, and they're not getting return on their investment. The Diamondbacks give it up. Who saw this coming? Who saw this coming that they would even get over 77 wins? Corbin Carroll, Corbin Carroll, Corbin Carroll. Yes, okay. Uh, you know, he's the presumptive interval rookie of the year. And if you, have you watched Arizona play? They're young. They're athletic. They got full of piss and vinegar. And they got guys like Cattell Marte. You remember him? He was doing that Mookie Betts infield-outfield thing before Mookie Betts. Shortstop, then second baseman, then center fielder, then second baseman, then a center fielder, then a second baseman. <coughs> ranked fourth in the MVP ranking back in 2019, and all of a sudden he brought power into his game, and he's the guy the fans across the country thought they might be able to trade for because they didn't know Arizona would be doing this well. And now they are in the American League, or check that, the National League Division Series, after they knocked out the Brewers. Marte took Brewers' ace Corbin Burns deep, 108-mile-an-hour home run to tie game one. Very fight. They were down 3-0. The next thing you know, I think it was 3-3. Then he adds a two-run single and a walk. Uh, he has help in this lineup, by the way, more than he did. He doesn't have to carry this team. And you know what? You feel like if you're Arizona, you're playing with House's money. So good on Arizona. I bet him game one. Didn't have the guts to bet him game two. I like to bet dogs in the playoffs. They, they pay off really well. Meanwhile, the Phillies. Uh, my buddy Jay Ship thought they're going to be a tough out this year. Even earlier in the year, they were scuffling, but yes, finally the stars are aligning in Phillies bullpen. What do you want to know, right? Phillies, they're they're no match. Uh, you know, I I I would just say this: they kind of got this fighting spirit. They're they're always grunting and throwing their arms around. Bryce Harper, he's got probably the best swag in baseball. And I would say when they get on the field with the Braves, this might be a real series to watch, especially if Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola are on point. Now, it doesn't feel like anybody can beat Atlanta, but you know how baseball works, right? Uh, the Phillies, again, they swept, two and they move on. And, you know, there really are good vibes in Philly. After winning the National League pennant last year as the numbers six seed, The Phillies looked even better this year. They got plenty of starting pitching. Uh, They got excellent starting pitching against the Marlins in both games. And what I think I noticed most is they came through in clutch moments. Zach Wheeler only allowed one run, struck out eight in game one. Aaron Nolo only allowed three hits and no runs in seven innings in game two. But now it doesn't get any easier. The Phillies are going to face the best team in baseball, the Atlanta Braves. They won 104 games. They had 307 home runs. And they got Ronald Acuna, who hit 40 home runs and stole 73 bases. Atlanta may have the best record in the league, but Phillies feel like they've got something to say about this. They're going to really, very much want to keep that party going. Yeah, it's October. It's October baseball. Coming up, we start to take a look at the Division Series matchups. Tonight's show brought to you by Discover. At the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right, everything you've earned doubled. Seriously, see terms. Check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. All right, we're back on the Bernie Fatton Show. Fox Sports Radio coming to you live from Tarack.com Studios here in Las Vegas. Take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. Tonight's show brought to you by Discover. At the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all of the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubles. Seriously. C-t, uh check that C-Terms, and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. All right, I teased it. The number one seed Atlanta Braves versus the number one four seed Philadelphia Phillies. Well, they they get it rolling here. Three o'clock Pacific, six o'clock Eastern on Saturday. Game one, and this this might be a very, really interesting series. Uh, it I just doesn't well look. Atlanta's been the best team in baseball all season. You win a hundred and four games. You hit a record-tying 307 home runs. You post the highest slugging percentage by a team in history. Their slugging percentage is 501. You got MVP front runner Ronald Acuna Jr. had a statistical season for the ages, but he's not the only one. Remember, they let Freddie Freeman go. Who did he get? Who did they get to replace him? Matt Olson. What does he do? He leads the Major Leagues with 54 home runs and 139 RBIs. I'm not done. Marcel Arzuna, 40 home runs, 100 RBIs. Ozzie Albies, three, uh, 33 home runs, 109 RBIs. So you got three guys with north of 40 home runs, one north of 50 and four north of 30. Do the Braves have a weak spot? Well, if you want to split hairs, it might be they're starting pitching. Pitching is everything in the playoffs. Strike zones get tighter, and everything is magnified. Spencer Strider, well, he does lead the major leagues with 281 strikeouts, but he won't, you know, he's susceptible to giving up big innings here and there. By the way, their number two starter, Max Fried, he's been dealing with a blister issue. He hasn't actually pitched since September 21st. I'm assuming he's okay, but you don't know. Let's also not forget the Phillies upset the division champion Braves last year's division series. Will it be deja vu all over again, Yogi? What that did for the Braves is give them a ton of confidence or check that for the Phillies. That actually provided the fuel to you know, propel the Phillies in what I would consider to be a very improbable run to the World Series last year. Uh, and it looked like they were going to beat the Astros, but they didn't. So here's the deal. If the formula wants to, or if they want you know, it, here's the formula if the, if the Phillies want to make it deja vu all over again, Yogi. If they want to repeat history, it's the same thing. They're going to need strong starting pitching. They're going to need timely hitting. Sounds like Captain Obvious, right? Now, again, I talked about this a minute ago. A couple of righties, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, they allowed a combined one run in 13 and the third innings versus the Marlins, but that was the Marlins. Meanwhile, their second baseman, well, Bryson Stott, he was outstanding defensively and hit a crutch, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, clutch grand slam. Now, the big difference between this year's Phillies and last year's, well, they added Trey Turner. Now, Trey Turner struggled mightily through probably July, April, May, June, July, and the fans continued to cheer him. He only had like 10 home runs in the first 107 games, but things have a way of evening out in baseball. Trey Turner caught fire. 16 home runs in the final 48 games after the Philly fans reaffirmed their support. If you saw the game, it was, it was showing over and over the highlights because for a reason, I don't know what the reason was, but I thought it was great. Fans in Philly are great. They're they're smart, they're discerning. They they knew that Trey Turner was capable of more. They gave him this unexpected standing ovation on August fourth. It was crazy. And I think he struck out a couple times. but He ended up hitting a home run, I think. So after I want to say, after like August fifteenth, or he ended up hitting sixteen home runs, and his OPS was over th- was over a thousand. So. You know, the Phillies fans and their patience, well, it was rewarded. And Trey Turner is is quite a player. When you have a shortstop that can provide that kind of offense and base stealing, you've got yourself something. Uh, I get a kick out of contrast to compare. When you look at the two teams, leadoff hitter in baseball to me has always been very important. I think Ricky Anderson, greatest leadoff hitter of all time because it's so dangerous. He get the ball apart, steal a base. Compare the two leadoff hitters. All right, Ronald Cunha hit 337 for the Braves. He hit 40 home runs, scored 100 runs, 100 RBIs. And oh by the way, he stole 73 bases and hit 337. Kyle Schwarber, who was a key cog in the Cubs attack back in 2016, 30. 45 home runs, over 100 RBIs, over 100 runs scored. he batted 190s. <laughs> he batted 197. Never been done in the history of Major League Baseball until now. I don't know if this series will go five, but if it does, it'll end up in Atlanta. I feel like Philly caught lightning in a bottle last year. I just can't go against Atlanta. Coming up, we'll get the other three series. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Well, you heard the man. Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. Here in Las Vegas, Nevada, tire will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tire the way tire buying should be. So, I talked about the Braves Philly series. Uh, I just think the Braves have too much, but we'll see. We just saw sweeps in all four wildcard series. Now, you move on to the divisional round where the top two seeds in the American League. National Leagues, well, they should be well-rested, ready to host their postseason openers. I would just say this. The top seeds also have the advantage of being able to set up their pitching rotations just the way they want them after being off basically an entire week. However, there's always the question, right? Too much rest before a playoff series? which will be answered as the Baltimore Orioles take on what I think is going to be a very pesky Texas Rangers team who uh, has advanced under Bruce Bochy. I, I told you I gave their front office a ton of credit for what they did and the chances they took. They really went for it, and it paid off, even though Jacob DeGrom didn't work out. and you, you get the drift, okay? Well, here we are. Uh, we are about nine hours away. It will open up in Baltimore. I think the Orioles are just a phenomenal story this year. Did, just two years ago, they lost 110 games. Baltimore turned around, went 104 this year, best record in the season. Due in large part to a group of young stars, that's their core, Gunnar Henderson, over, overwhelming favorite for rookie of the year, uh, an infielder, shortstop, third baseman. Now the biggest question for the Orioles is going to be, They've got a very young pitching staff, Grayson Rodriguez. He's only like 23. Guys, these are not household names. Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer. Do they have enough gas in the tank to pitch in the postseason, which is different? Again, strike zones shrink. Umpires are not going to let you finesse. You're going to have to challenge hitters. And look, in this day and age of analytics and, and wonky stats, these guys have all gone way over their career eyes and, and innings pitch for a season. And by the way, they lost a, the, the bullpen lost their closer, Felix Batista, to an elbow injury. So if you get into Baltimore's pen, they're going to be challenged. Baltimore's pen is going to be challenged. Now, on the flip side of the coin, the Rangers were cruising along in fine fettle. But they cost themselves a division title and a first-round bye because they had a late-season slide. But they managed to right the ship, and they had a pair of victories in Tampa Bay, at Tampa Bay, and they only allowed one run. So you've got, though, I just sung the praises of uh, of Atlanta's offense. Well, don't go to sleep on Baltimore. They've got the most potent offense. They averaged over five runs a game, almost five and a half runs a game. This year, it's unheard of. They're led by the right fielder, Adol- uh, I think it's Adalas Adol- Ad- Garcia. 39 home runs, 107 RBIs. And you've got a great double play combination that matters a lot. Uh, Corey Seager. checked that. I'm talking about Texas, not, not Baltimore. Texas has the most potent uh, brain cramp there. I apologize. Uh, you got Corey Seager who can hit. Left-hander, you know what he can do. Marcus Simeon, great double play combination. Texas averaging uh, five and a half runs a game. And by the way, uh, Texas, a couple of good... Couple of good hitting catchers. I saw them play. They're very opportunistic. All right, now much the same as it was for Baltimore. Pitching is going to be a question mark for the Rangers. They, uh, you know, you don't have Jacob Degrom. You don't have Maxers. You don't have John Gray. Their best remaining starters, Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Iovody. Well, they've done it so far. They're going to need them to get past. uh, Baltimore just said they got past the Rays. This is a best of five, not a best of three. And oh, by the way, and I mentioned this back during the trade deadline when I was out with Aaron and Jason. I was surprised that Texas traded for a couple starters because their e r a is four point eight in the bullpen seventh worst in the majors Baltimore's is the fifth best, so if these games get elongated, and get into the bullpen, Baltimore clearly has the edge in the bullpen. How about those Houston Astros they just they're like the energizer bunny they're they're seated second. They take on the third-seeded Minnesota Twins. Game one opens up at Houston, 145 Pacific on Saturday, 445 Eastern. And, yes, the Astros, in case you forgot, they are the defending world champions. And I talked about the Rangers and having a late first round. A, a, a late round uh, they, they fell off the map. Well, the Astros had a great late surge to take over the Rangers. And Dusty Baker, uh, you know, got... He he got his first ever, you know, World Series last year, and he's now got ace Justin Verlander back, back in a in an Astros uniform. He's the top guy in the rotation. That was the midseason trade that did work out. That did work out. And you gotta you gotta ask yourself: Does Houston just simply have too much playoff experience? And oh, by the way, they're healthy. And then they uh, added uh, Jose Abreu, and they got a you know p- potential rookie, well, he's not going to be the rookie of the year, but he, he's a DH and a catcher. Yanner Diaz, you could make an argument that the Houston Astros, even though they were world champions last year, possibly even better than last year. So, well, if the Astros can get past the Twins, and frankly, I expect them to, well, the Astros will find themselves in a familiar spot, playing in the ALCS for the 7th consecutive season give it up to the Twins though okay they finally end their postseason losing skid they actually lost 18 games in a row and don't look now they're actually on a two-game winning streak after they beat Toronto and a familiar name who was part of those great Astro teams in years behind well they now have Carlos Correa who remember won the World Series ring with the Astros in 2017 Left as a free agent in 2019, the Twins had the worst record of any AL playoff team this season, but Edward Julian, Matt Walner, Royce Lewis, the, the Twins got some players too. Here's an interesting stat that I found very odd, and note this because the first two games are in Houston. Houston's only 39-42 and 42 at home this season. They're under 500 at home. We'll see if that plays out. I already talked about Atlanta and Philadelphia, which leads us to the series that I know, our guys that we we'll get to uh, Kevin and and Shea here in a bit. Their hometown Dodgers seated number two. They take on the pesky Diamondbacks. Um, Dodgers have, have had their number, okay. And when you got players like Mookie Betts, who when the brights get when the lights get bright, his he elevates his game. He's he's been a fixture in the postseason. Mookie Betts playing in all but one of the past 7 seasons mookie betts has won a pair of world series rings you love having a guy like that in your lineup it'll be a night game 620 pacific 920 eastern i think you're going to see a pitchers duel in the first game but the dodgers by hook or crook they just keep chugging along all right they've won their 10th nl west division title in 11 years but only one world series and that was in the covid shortened season of 60 games back in 2020 not going to hold it against them. Not going to give them an asterisk. They had the same opportunities as everybody else. But, look, there's a great evening out process over 162 games. But this is a veteran team. Wookiee Betts, Freddie Freeman, Clayton Kershaw. They do. The Dodgers do have enough talent to win the damn thing. Matter of fact, wouldn't you, would you love to see it be like a throwback World Series, like the Dodgers in Baltimore? And here's why you really cannot go to sleep on the Dodgers. They rank second to the Braves in scoring, home runs, on-base percentage, and slugging. By the, by the way, they're very much like the Braves as well, and they actually have a couple of issues in their starting rotation. Now, I give it up to Clayton Kershaw. What a career. 13-5 this past year, 2.46 ERA, but only threw 130 innings. And he's got a shoulder issue he's been battling in the second half. So you're going to, again, this is a series, if it gets into the bullpen, you know, Dave Roberts, he doesn't have household names, Bobby Miller, Ryan Peapot, he's got to turn things over, you know, he's got a deep bullpen, but I don't think you want it to turn into a bullpen game. Look, the Diamondbacks, I think, obviously are the, th- this entire postseason, the most likely, you know, entrance. They they improved by winning 20 ga- more games this year than they won a year ago. They're a dangerous team. They were down both games in Milwaukee. They battled back both games. They look like they are ready for this moment. Not predicting what's gonna happen. I gotta see a couple games. The 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 D backs, look, again, you're gonna you're gonna see more Corbin Carroll. First rookie in baseball history. A lot of superlatives this year. Imagine this. He's a rookie, hit twenty five dingers and stole fifty bases. But what I'm a f- w- w- the reason I think Arizona ha- will have a puncher's chance, if not win it, is because they play outstanding defense. They got a Gold Glove at first base, Christian Walker. But again, does their pitching match up with the Dodgers? No, not at all. Uh, Zach Allen is their ace. Merrill Kelly, uh, who I think is starting Game One. Remember, you can't line up your pitching the way you can if you've been waiting around a week like the Dodgers. Here's the problem. When you've got a starting staff that's got a cumulative ERA of 4.5 and they're ranked 20th in the majors, that's the worst of any playoff team and you're going up against the Dodger offense, it doesn't seem to bode well. All right? Uh, also, their, their starting catcher, Gabriel Moreno, he had to leave uh, Wednesday's game. He got hit in the helmet on a swing. Uh, it happens every time, every once in a while. Uh, Milwaukee's Bryce Terang, he, he finished his swing and clunked him in the head I think he got hit in the head. He got hit in the helmet. And, and I, I done, I've i not heard that He's not going to play. But you hope, you hope he's 100% until we see a good series. By the way, another fun fact. The Diamondbacks are only the third team in Major League history to actually win a playoff game after they were outscored by their opponents during the regular season. Their run differential during the regular season was minus 15. I will not be sharing any Minnesota Vikings jokes. It's hard for very hard for me to believe the Diamondbacks get by the Dodgers. That would be a massive, that would be a big upset. How big of an upset would it be if Philly upsets the Braves? Well, it would be, but they got them last year. Alright? How big of an upset would, the, would it be for the Twins to get past the Astros? A little bit, but remember the Twins are seeded third. They've just won a nice series. They're confident. The Astros have a lot of playoff experience in veterans how big of an upset would it be for the texas rangers to get past the baltimore Orioles? you get a feel there's going to be one upset of these four let's bring in the crew and see what their thoughts are who might be the team that upsets the apple cart who who, who's the team they're rooting for and who is the team that if they could just pick one of these eight teams is their choice to get to the world series We'll check on all that coming up. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Rack.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Just hours away from, of course, we know it's a big college football Saturday and another big NFL weekend, but let's not forget we are in October, and uh, that means baseball playoffs, and that means we are now two series away from the World Series as we advance to the National and American League division series after four straight wild wildcard sweep so let's bring in the crew and uh, I'm gonna break up the party first the first question is gonna be of these four series Which is the most likely upset guys? I'm gonna go with Baltimore getting upset by the Texas Rangers Kevin your thoughts of the four We know there's gonna be an upset which is most likely?
8: Ooh, most likely to happen. Yeah, you know what? I'd probably agree with uh, the Rangers in Baltimore, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, Though the the close second for me would be the Twins in Houston. And quite honestly, the only reason why I would think uh, Houston would win is because they always do. (laughs) I know that's not the most scientific answer. It's true, though, but it's true,
2: Kevin. No, it is scientific. Ten straight. American League Championship Series and the you know most uh, experience of any any roster. So go ahead.
8: Yeah, but if you just look at the pure numbers and how the teams have played this season, especially down the stretch, I don't think most numbers would point to Houston being the obvious winner of that series. But you know, every time I seem to go against the Astros, they find a way to get to, to win series. They have obviously a bunch of experience on that roster, even though they didn't play up to their own personal standards this individual season. And the Twins are just one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league. I think they have the most home runs and in the majors this year they're just atlanta
2: i think atlanta three atlanta
8: did excuse me yeah, yeah. It was as far as for the american league i believe the twins did oh sure 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 yeah. uh, but i probably misspoke there but uh they're also very prone to swinging and missing and when you have verlander and valdez those are that's what they do best is get strikeouts uh, so i think that's a close second but i would agree that the rangers defeating baltimore would be top of my list in terms of what well, which uh, team would have the best chance of an upset
2: I just feel like their youth and winning a hundred games and everything changes so drastically in the postseason. Uh, and when you juxtapose that against Texas and Bruce Bochy, all right, uh, Shea of the four, who do you think is the most likely team to emerge via upset?
9: Via upset, I mean, I'm such a big Dodger fan, but I'm so scared the Diamondbacks are just going to come out of nowhere. Interesting, it's it's terrifying. I mean, I wasn't expecting us to even get a hundred wins this year, so the fact that we're even getting 100 wins, I'm happy. Like I'm happy with where we're at. But again, I don't know what it is, but something is scaring. I mean, we've beat them all year too. It's been an easy series. We have what, 16 wins on them. I mean, it was it was an easy series. It's just I don't know, something in the back of my head is saying we might not get past it. And it might be because of last year against the Padres, something similar happened. But I don't know. It's just.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Of maybe head. a little gun shy. Yeah. No, well, seriously. I, well, sure. Well, that well that Ponder team was pretty good last year. Uh, and then I knew they would not follow it up. But here's the deal. Uh, I think you might worry if Arizona gets a split before they leave town. I just don't. I don't know that I see that, but I, I, you know, you're a Dodger fan. You'd like to see him finally close the deal, right? Uh, so I get, I, I get that. I want to see Kershaw get a ring. So, so, so did you. But do you think Arizona? If you're going to answer the question, you think Arizona is the most likely upset? The most likely? No, no, no. It's
9: probably the Orioles. That's definitely. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, that, I think it's definitely either, the Orioles.
2: Either either team that comes out of that, we got a real story. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, because if Texas advances, you know what the storyline there is, and if Baltimore advances, all right, let's uh, let's put on our fanboy hats. Uh, Kevin, which team are you rooting for on either league? Say, I want to have a magic one. I want to put this team in the World Series.
8: You know, I love seeing underdog stories, so I think it'd be pretty cool for a downtrodden franchise like the Twins to actually make a have oh, a deep yeah. run here. Won their first postseason series in you know since the you know since the Reagan administration uh, earlier this week. So I think it'd be a pretty cool story to see a team also full of young guys without a whole lot of experience to be able to get themselves a, a pretty deep run. So that's kind of the the underdog, the team that I'm kind of pulling for to see if they can make a deep run here.
2: That would be kind of cool to see as well. Uh, I, I believe it's, what, been 32 years since that famous 91 duel that they had with the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in 87. Uh, fair enough. How about you, uh, Shay?
9: I mean, as a Dodger fan, obviously I want the Dodgers to win, but sure. I mean, if, if I'm going to put all my, my fans aside, I think I'm going to have to go with the Orioles. I just, as a team, I, I mean, I've always liked Cedric Mullins as a player, but just as a team, the Orioles are just, they're so likable. I don't know what it is, but there's something about them that just makes me want to root for them. Well,
2: they're young. They exactly. came out of nowhere. They're athletic. They're f- they play the game with joy. That would be a hell of a story. Uh, it
9: would be amazing. I mean, also the Rangers when they started off the season, I think it was like 14 wins or something like that. I mean, that'd be cool too. Just like starting off with such a bang and then ending it off with such a bang too. I mean, it would be cool for Ranger fans just to get a championship too. But
2: I, I, and yeah, and that's where I weigh in. Uh, I would like to see the Rangers. Why they've never won? The, the franchise has never won. I believe the franchise was born what in 1972. The famous David Clyde story in 1973. Bruce Bochy comes over. They sign players. They have bad luck with injuries, and they find themselves, well, they're right where they need to be, right? They just need to win this series. If you put the Rangers in the World Series, you guys remember what happened? I want to say it was 2015. They were down to one out. Remember that, Kevin? You remember
8: that? I do, and I believe it was Nelson Cruz who had a pretty easy. It wasn't a lazy fly ball into the outfield, but a pretty uh, catchable ball. He misread it, and uh, was unable to make a play, and they ended up losing that series. Yes, they were down to the final out, one out away from winning the World Series.
2: And I can't think of the name of the manager. Uh, He was. He had a great personal story. He had leukemia in high school, and obviously he ended up managing in the major leagues. So this is a franchise. That's really been committed to winning and doing a lot of the right things over the years. I'd like to see their investment rewarded. I really would. And again, can you imagine one out away from winning it all? You probably got one foot in the dugout steps, ready to go in the field. You got the you got the champagne on ice, and it gets it gets uh, yanked away. So okay, so we've got the first uh, uh, you know we who we think the underdog will be and who we would would like to see win. Let's go the other way which is the last team you want to see in the world series kevin we'll start with you buddy
8: oh this is an easy one for me the houston astros i know there's only (laughs) a couple of of guys left from that 2017 team that uh, basically stole the championship away from the dodgers but if houston never wins again i think i'll be fine with that so that that's an easy one
2: very good very good uh that that was right there man you you molly that one so all right how about you uh uh, Shay, and I, I, I might bring down the house with the one I, I'm i going to share here in a minute, but which is the one team that you're like, okay, I don't want to see them in the World Series?
9: I don't want to okay. be a carbon copy of uh, Kevin over here. Well, I'm it's gonna, okay. I'm going to have to go with the Astros. I absolutely hate them. If I can go without seeing a trash can for the rest of my life, I will.
2: They're never going to live that down, are they? They just uh, never they won't, are. Are you never. kidding
9: me? At least and, they
2: I, are. And far be it for me to defend them, which I will not do, but I will maintain a modicum of objectivity that seventh game was played at Dodger Stadium, so it would have been interesting. Uh, but look, we get it. All right, that was uh, brutal. I know AJ Hinch in Detroit had to, you know, answer questions over and over again about that before he got the job, and uh, that's just something that they'll they'll, they'll never live down. No, no, tell me. For that. me, guys, <laughs> I hope Ethan's not listening. I don't want to see the Philadelphia Phillies in the World <laughs> Series. I just don't, man. They just bug me too much swag, too much flex. Too much testosterone. And you know what? They're a good team, all right? And I got to know Bryce Harper a little bit here in Las Vegas. He's a really good dude. You know, I know he looks like he's got the red ass all the time. But, uh, you know, I... I don't know. You guys have any thoughts on the Phillies? I just don't, I don't want to see them. That Grand Slam was magical, though.
9: The, yeah. that, did you see that video with the music and everything? They all yes. stopped singing. That was, I mean, there's no one better than a Philly stadium. Like, it doesn't matter what oh, sport you're yeah. in, the energy they give. I mean, that's the only reason I'm going to put Philly in the game against the Braves. Like, just the home base advantage is probably insane. Like, I just the videos I see, it might be because I have cousin in my ear, too. Um, yeah, Anthony Gargano. Gargano for sure. But I definitely, it's just I don't know. There's something about it. I also, I don't want the Phillies to win either, just because I'm gonna be in Atlanta uh, during the time when they could possibly be playing the Dodgers, and I would love to see that.
2: You know, I wouldn't be too pissed if it was like a Dodgers twin series or a Dodgers uh, Orioles series, a, a throwback to the, uh, you know, the back in the day type series. I've had enough of Houston, too. I mean, they they, they win, man, but I've had kind of enough of them, too. I've, I've had enough of the Phillies. Uh, and look, I know the networks wouldn't like it, but if Arizona got to the World Series, look what they did back in 01 when they beat the Yankees. So I think, you know, we may not end up with a matchup we want. But I know we'll end up with a competitive matchup because there's a lot of parity in Major League Baseball right now. I mean, Baltimore won more games than anybody, but nobody here, I think, feels super confident that they're going to be able to win the next two series to get to the World Series. So let's let the games begin. We'll, of course, cover uh, each series as it progresses on on both my shows. Uh, good stuff, guys. Coming up, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. Plenty of news, uh, plenty of interesting stories, And uh, plenty of hijinks. Chris Perfett's World of Soccer coming up. But first, uh, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Figures, with the latest...
8: All right, Bernie, In Friday night in college football, Nebraska holding Brett Bielema's Illinois squad to just 21 yards rushing in a 20-7 victory. Elsewhere, Oklahoma State snapped its two-game losing streak. They defeated Kansas State 29-21, improving to 3-2 on the season. In The NFL Ravens receiver Odell Beckham Jr. says he plans to play against the Steelers on Sunday after missing the previous two games with an ankle injury. Jimmy Garoppolo will start under center for the Raiders Monday night against Green Bay after he cleared concussion protocols. Eagles defensive lineman Fletcher Cox will not play against the Rams as he nurses a back injury. Barring a setback, the Rams expect to have receiver Cooper Cup in the lineup for the first time this season in that game. Cup missed the first four games with a hamstring injury. And a in Major League Baseball, Rangers pitcher Max Scherzer did throw a simulated game on Friday, but his status for the ALDS is still up in the air. Texas will face Baltimore in Game 1 of that series on FS1 today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Back to Bernie Fredo.
2: All right, thanks so much, Kevin. Of course, you folks know every week at this time, we cover it all. And even though there are no major events going on, there are still plenty of news items to digest. That's why we bring you Chris Perfetz World of Soccer. The
1: greatest goals. i just seen the most insane goal I have ever seen. The thrilling finishes. Goal!
10: The international drama. El chicharito, chicharito, chicharito.
1: It's all here in this report from the world of
10: soccer. Bernie, today I have three things to know for the MLS Cup playoffs. I'm going to be coming here at the end of October. We're going to be chasing the race as it comes. But first, I would do want to start over in Europe. We just got done with a whole slate of Champions League action. The first couple games of the group stage were played over the past couple of weeks, and we have a lot to talk about. One might be the very disappointing show of Manchester United. Now, Manchester United has some good pieces. Casemiro has scored three goals in two games. So has Rasmus Hoyland. Now, we've talked about Rasmus Hoyland before. He was Manchester United's hope to find a Scandinavian player quite like Erling Holland. More on him in a second. But it's uh, three goals for Rasmus Hoyland in Champions League is remarkable. He's off to a slower start than Erling Holland. He's not setting the world on fire. However in spite of the scoring from these two, those are the only goals in Champions League so far for Manchester United. And it has been heartbreak through two games as they just cannot get out of their way. Every time I would watch Manchester United and the Turkish side Galatasaray duel, every good thing Manchester United would did would be immediately countered by the Turkish club stuffing them back into the ground. And it was the red card on Casemiro that really sealed the deal in the final minutes. 3-2, Galatasaray. And that's compounding on top of their previous loss 4-3 two weeks ago to Bayern Munich with just a complete parade of goal scoring by Bayern Munich, by Harry Kane, by Serge Narbi, by Sané, by Mathis Tell. And it was that goal by Mathis Tell in stoppage time that sent this from a 3-3 draw into a 4-3 win by Bayern Munich. And to be honest, I don't know where the relief for Manchester United is. You've got to hope you get back and game against Galatasaray. You've got to hope you sweep Copenhagen and you've got to hope for just a better outing against Munich. But I don't think that's coming. I think Munich is taking that group. It's a awful group that Manchester United finds themselves in. And a two loss hole is something they might not be able to climb out of. Meanwhile, it's the Italian clubs who had a very good showing last year, but have come out of the gate a little flat. AC Milan with two draws, Lazio with a win and a draw in quite honestly, a very poor group, and Internazionale, and even a poorer group, with a one win, one draw, a step behind Real Sociedad, it's not pretty for them. The ones who haven't surprised, Barcelona, who's in a very poor group, who's probably best, who doesn't really have much in the way of anyone to really challenge them. Your leader in goal differentials at plus six. Manchester City, the other Manchester, meanwhile, atop their group, no surprise whatsoever. The real challenge for Manchester City doesn't come here in Champions League. From their group, I'm sure that they'll be able to handle the rest of Young Boys, Red Star, Belgrade, and Leipzig, no problem. However, if you're looking for something to watch as an appetizer to your NFL Sunday slate, look no further than the Premier League, as Manchester City is taking on Arsenal, last year's runner-up. And once again, these two are battling for the top of the table. Manchester City, with all of its weapons, with Erling Holland, whose score scoring has not slowed down whatsoever. But don't write out Arsenal just yet yes they look a step behind Manchester City right now yes they might get emotional here and there and yes they're coming off a very tough loss against Lens in the Champions League putting them a f- uh, two points behind where they really should be in their group but Arsenal showed themselves to be something special last year and I believe they can try to recapture that Manchester City is just so good in any other year we would be praising Arsenal's return to form now I did promise MLS. Cup playoffs, three things you should know as we enter the final month here for MLS regular season. Number one, FC Cincinnati has the Supporters Shield down. The Supporters Shield, in case you don't know, is the trophy for the regular season. That means a lot more in European soccer and a lot less in American sports, so it's a bit of a cleft thing when you do have a playoff cup that does matter so much in the United States, but I don't want anything to diminish what FC Cincinnati has done done. That club has been able to turn it around from a very poor few years that they've been showing. Always at the bottom of tables, always struggling to keep up, always gasping for air. And look, here they are. It's 2023, and the little club that was always at the bottom of the East is now the Supporters Shield Champions. Well done. And a lot of it comes off the leg of Luciano Acosta. 16 goals in the season so far. Look for him to continue that goal scoring. process us as we get ready for the playoffs number two you should know is that st louis city is having a year for the ages for an expansion team this is the expansion team from this year but st louis city sc is at the top of the western conference i believe they're going to clinch here very soon if they have not they did take a pretty nasty loss to the whitecaps which allowed the whitecaps to move into playoffs here but i believe city is going to remain the number one spot there They've got to watch out for the Sounders nipping at their heels only 7 points behind entering this weekend. They can steal home field advantage from them if they so wish, but everything that the that St. Louis has done this year has been phenomenal. And finally, number 3, look out once again for LAFC. Now, I contend that the East right now is much stronger than the West in MLS between Cincinnati, Orlando City and the Columbus Crew. And wins late in the season have been a real struggle for them to find. And it may indeed cost them home field advantage in several spots in the playoffs. But I will say they've been playing some very tough opponents here down the stretch. That is really taking that away from them. And look out for Dennis Bowanga because he just scored a hat trick over Minnesota not long ago. And there is nothing more to say about this team. It is the defending champions for a reason. And they look like they are hungry to go again. Now, you might notice in those three, I didn't mention Lionel Messi. That's because Lionel Messi is not going to be playing in these playoffs. I hate to be cheeky about it, but it's the truth of it, in spite of the fact that all the coverage I see still remains messy, messy, messy. I get it. Play the hits. But we should also talk about some of the teams who are going to be on your TVs come November. And that is the world of soccer.
2: Well, he's not wrong. I mean, the Lionel Messi story was huge, and there was never any guarantee he was going to end up in Inter-Miami. And there were sold-out crowds wherever he played. He was like a traveling rock show. And he was scoring goals. Uh, He'd get out of bed and score goals. I mean, to the point where, you know, people were joking on other networks that they were letting him score goals. Well, we know that's not true. But, you know, speaking of playing the hits, he was a hit. But that's the thing about the world of soccer. There's always news, and it's onward and upward. And MLS has really taken on a life of its own, especially with all the international players that come over to finish up their career, and they're still, we they still have a lot of gas in the tank. If you get my drift. Coming up, we wrap up the show, and I share you share with you my uh, week of travels, as it were, with Urban Meyer. I broke a story Tuesday, uh, and uh, it set the world on fire because people are skeptical. But guess what? It started to trend heavily in my direction. I will explain. Coming up, I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio TyRac.com studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Before I go any further uh, this evening, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. They've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific on Friday night. Our tech producer, Mark Ramsey, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. Of course, uh, Kevin Figures, all those great updates. And Shay, checking in. Uh, great job, guys. Great teamwork. And uh, appreciate all the efforts so we can keep this show on the air. And. Uh, bring this fine entertainment to a grateful nation hey by the way real real quickly uh just short answer uh Kevin figures do you believe urban Meyer will ever have a head coaching job again in Division one college football
1: you stepped up there? for a second sorry
2: okay okay no problem how about you uh shea real quickly well do you believe urban Meyer I do will c- coach again in' In college football, I mean, I don't, I don't see it as a necessarily like
9: thing that's impossible, right? I mean, we've we've seen it all, honestly. I mean, I've seen people come back, or come out of but, retirement. But just
2: real quickly, yes or no? You, yes, you get, yes, Okay, fair enough, buddy. And, and I think that's that's a good answer. We'll see. Uh, I I bet you if I asked this question two years ago, what about Hugh Freeze and you know the issues he had in the SEC? He's not only back coaching, and he got a good gig at Liberty. You get, you know, now he's the head coach at. Uh, at Auburn. Uh, how about, uh, Rick Petino? you know, his travails and obviously he's got a big time coach. He's, you know, in, in college basketball now again, uh, how about Bobby Petrino? I mean, he's clearly had his issues and, uh, he's your offensive coordinator for, uh, Texas A&M. So, uh, you know, you guys talk about the Astros. Well, who was the manager of that team that got caught cheating? It was AJ Hinch. Well, AJ Hinch had to answer a lot of questions, but he's, He's back managing for the Detroit Tigers. So why do I bring all this up? On Tuesday, I was having a relatively innocent conversation with, you know, one of my moles, one of my people, one of my sources back in Michigan. And he says, you're not going to believe who's in town today in East Lansing. I go, who? He says, "Uh, Urban Meyer. I said, huh? What is he having breakfast at the Flapjack Shack? Well, I started to ask a lot more questions, and he says, no, uh, he's, you know, we believe that he is having preliminary talks with the Michigan State to see where this could possibly go. Now, I want to make one thing very clear, because it's amazing how people convolute things, twist things around, and selectively listen. I have not, and ha- will not predict that Urban Meyer will be the next head coach of Michigan State. I did not say that or imply that. I didn't even mention that I thought he may even get an offer. But what I did say, and that I stand by a thousand percent, is that he was in East Lansing earlier this week, most likely Tuesday. All right. Now it's funny because I've 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 broken a lot of stories in five years here. Uh, 18 months ago, when Jim Harbaugh flew to Minnesota on recruiting day to interview with the Vikings, I made it very clear. Put a timestamp tweet, timestamp text. To Aaron Torres, I'm sticking to my guns. The Vikings are not going to hire him. I was told by people I trust that this is a courtesy interview uh, because Kwesi and Dofo Mensa from uh, the, the, the you know the personnel director for the Vikings, Harbaugh worked with them in San Francisco. Uh, they'd already committed to uh kevin o'connell and harbaugh was not going to get the job and people were coming at me no it's done deal we wouldn't be flying there no that's not true my moles are right uh let's go back uh just to you know let's see around that same time i mel tucker i had reported was would be getting a 95 million dollar extension because of the interest lsu showed right on down the line people said you're crazy tucker even went and said uh, thanks so much i'm flattered but i'm gonna stay at colorado well guess what uh, he he got he got the money and uh, he ended up in Michigan State and I, I know that's gone south but uh, you know it, you saw what happened there no one believed me then so no one really you know cared a whole hell of a lot there's always pushback on those two events but when I reported the Urban Meyer one it lit, it lit the world on fire people are incensed they're they've gone literally crazy about this i like a million hits on my on my Twitter page, and, and I mean, thought you know, hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of retweets and this and that, and the vast majority of people are on my side. But I've got some knuckleheads, and by the way, Bruce Feldman wasted no time in tweeting out uh, these reports are false. Uh, Urban Meyer has zero interest. Well, you know what? Urban Meyer denied he was going to Ohio State too. And he denied he was going to Jacksonville too, and I tweeted at Bruce Feldman. I said, hey. You didn't hear what I said. I didn't say he, whether he was interested or not. I said he was in East Lansing. Did you ask him that, crickets? Ask Brady Quinn the same thing, crickets. Now, we'll see if it gets brought up on Big Noon Kickoff here, which kicks off, which you know airs in about five hours. I don't know if it will. I don't think it'd be good for him to detract from their show, but they might, but even if they do, Herman, he can say, hell no, I'm not going, I'm not interested. Do you believe him? That's just not, not how this thing works. So... This is a fluid situation. I do not think you will see any decisions at Michigan State before December, even if they were to come to terms with Urban Meyer. And I give it a, a fairly slim chance because I don't know that Michigan State is in the, you know, they can coalesce right now and make this happen, that the way they, Michigan did with Jim Harbaugh a few years ago, that everybody pulling on the same rope, and that's the way they made it happen. I don't know that that's going to happen here. But don't, you know, listen, you can't discount anything. And I don't know the level of interest, and I'm going to stick to my guns, that he was in East Lansing. Now, he can deny it. Maybe it gets brought up Saturday, and he he denies it. That doesn't mean anything to me. So let's continue to watch it. I think you'll see more reportage come out. More people are falling in line. More people are backing me up. I know, by the way, they did a poll. Who do you believe, Fratto or Feldman? 60% believe Fratto. 40% believe Feldman. That's going to do it. Keep it locked for the great Anthony Gargano, Fox Sports Radio.